Christmas. You know, it's so cool to have you all here with us tonight. It's truly a, a really a cool night in the year, isn't it? There's a lot of electricity, a lot of excitement. If you haven't already opened presents, there's presents tomorrow morning. You've got family around. There's people that you love in this room with you. And we're here tonight to re-remember that the true reason for the season isn't even about all that cool stuff. It's, it's for something even more amazing, more remarkable, and that's Jesus. And so I ask you in the midst of all that, are you ready for Christmas yet? Yes? Oh, that's fantastic. The last service was a little uncertain, you know, so, so it's good to hear that. You know, I was looking through some of the stuff, and I, I came across this story, and I, I just think it's such a cool one. It's about a little boy, and it was Christmas time, and he was asking his parents for a watch. Over and over, he'd ask him for a watch. Can we have a watch? I just need a watch for Christmas. Could you give me a watch for Christmas? Finally, the dad got so fed up with it, he said this. If I have you hear you ask for a watch one more time, I can guarantee you there's one thing you will not get for Christmas, and that'll be that watch. So the little boy he took that to heart a little bit, and he didn't say anything more. But, but that night for dinner, the dad was, was just kind of trying to recreate the reason for the season. And so he, he said, let's just go around and kind of share our favorite scripture. You know, we'll just share that, we'll talk about it, we'll be cool. And so they went around the table, and finally it came to the little boy. And the little boy said, Dad, my, my favorite verse is Mark thirteen seventeen, And I think it has powerful implication, not only for day, but for this whole season, that Jesus said this. I'll say to you what I've already said. Watch. <laughs> I think that's so funny. And so I'll ask you again, are you ready for Christmas? You know, even as I ask that question, there's a lot of you that are saying yes, which I think is fantastic. In last service, some people were a little unsure and probably thinking, man, I've got stuff to cook at home. I've got presents still to wrap. Some of the guys in the back row are think, were thinking, I, I still need to get some presents, so I hope the store's still open when I get out of here. You know, all sorts of different things. But tomorrow something truly remarkable happens. And I know, I know everybody gets it off as a holiday, and that's part of the reason, I'm sure. But all the stores seem to close, and when else does that happen, truly, in this world of ours? You see, tomorrow, the reality is that the whole world will kind of shut down for a day. And it really does, and it's a unique day, really, in our world today, that it happens all the way across the world. The freeways will be empty it's unusual. The offices will be closed, and the whole world will focus on one solitary event. But my question is tonight, why? I mean, why does this still such a big deal after all this time? What difference does it really make, this Christmas thing? And how can a baby born over 2,013 years ago on the other side of the world still stop traffic today in Phoenix, Arizona, in the year 2013? And the answer, of course, is that it was because it was no ordinary baby, right? There was something special about this particular baby. It was the fulfillment of a promise, yes. It was God himself coming into this world, yes. In fact, the Bible says that God came to earth. And I want you to just think about that just for a minute. I mean, how crazy is that? It's like God invaded this earth, and when he came, he separated all of history into B.C. and A.D. And now every time you write a check, what's your reference point? Jesus Christ. 2,013 years from what? From Jesus Christ. The Bible goes on to say that God loved the world so much that he gave us his son. The Bible again says, for unto you is born a Savior. But what all that really means to us tonight is essentially this. That because Jesus Christ came to us on Christmas so many years ago, there are now three things that can be true of your life tonight. In the year 2013, because Jesus came born in a manger in Bethlehem. 
And as I talk about these things, this is truly the reason for the season. This is the gift that Jesus is to us. And one of the first things that can be true of us tonight as a result of that gift is that our past can be forgiven. I know sometimes we blow through that like it's not a big deal, but I think it is. In Romans 3, verse 23 and 24, it says, All of us have sinned. Now, if you're not regulars to the church, sometimes you have this idea that a lot of churchgoers are pious pretenders, but that's not it. See, the more and more you go to church, the more and more you realize this is a hospital for sinners and that no perfect people need apply. And so if you're regular in church, you know you're just coming because this is where the healing begins. This is where the forgiveness happens. This is where you find health. In Romans 3, 23 and 24, Paul goes on and says, All of us have sinned, and yet now God declares us not guilty of offending him if we trust in Christ who freely takes away our sin. And you know what, if you take that seriously, that's pretty, it's pretty amazing news. Because the fact is, is that none of us are perfect. I'm not, you're not, I don't measure up to my own standard, much less God's. Which just means this, that I'm a sinner, that I'm imperfect, that I'm messed up, that I don't have it all together, and I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one here tonight that can say that. You know, it's interesting, I, I love reading newspapers during this time of year, or the internet now, I read more, more than anything, but every once in a while you come across these letters to Santa, and they post them, and they share them on, on the internet and stuff, and I came across this one a few years ago, it's just an awesome one. Kid writes, Dear Santa, there are three little boys who live in our house. There's Jeffrey, and he is two. There's David, and he is four. And there's Norman, and he is seven. Jeffrey's good some of the time, and David is good some of the time. Norman, though, he's good all the time. Santa, my name is Norman. <laughs> but the problem with that, as cool as that is, is that none of us are Normans, if we're honest with ourselves. None of us are good all the time. And so as a result, we all have to deal to some degree or another with regrets and guilt, the stuff that comes from our past, because of things that we've done, because of things that we've said, because of, to be honest, things that we haven't done or said. And we know firsthand that some of this can have devastating effects on our life. It robs us of happiness. It certainly takes away our peace as we wrestle with this and that. It causes depression. It makes us sick. I mean, guilt does all kinds of things to us because we don't really know how to get rid of it. And we go to the world and we look for answers, but they don't really have any answers. Shared Sunday, this guy called up to one of those psychologists on the radio and said, hey, what can I do? I'm struggling with all this guilt from the past. And the psychologist says, oh, it's just one of those things that you have to live with. It doesn't stop the world from searching, though. When they try all kinds of different things, they take drugs or they get drunk or they try therapy or they go to Disneyland, become workaholics, whatever it takes, to be honest, to forget anything to cover up those things that they wish just hadn't happened in their lives. Like the dad who takes the kids to Disneyland or Hawaii after they get divorced. But there's always only been one solution for the guilt because none of that seems to take it away. And one solution has always been forgiveness. And the good news of Christmas, at least one of the powerfully good pieces of news at Christmas, is that God wants to forgive you. He wants to clear your conscience. He wants to make that past that haunts you day in and day out go away. And the amazing thing about that is when God forgives you, it's instantaneous. I know lots of times when we mess up and we go and we say, I'm sorry, people make us sort of a, a period of penance. You know, like, I won't forgive you just yet. I want you to kind of live with this, do with this for a little bit. But God doesn't do that. He's, he says he forgives us instantaneously. It's also something that we don't deserve, he says, that we'll never earn it, that we'll never be able to do enough to work our way for it, that we can't beg God for it. We can't bribe God. There's nothing we have that he needs that is completely undeserved. But 
I think probably the most amazing thing about this is that when God forgives us, it's just complete. The Bible says that when we, when we confess our sins to God and we give them to Jesus, God says, their sins will I remember no more. To be honest, it's one of the most incredible verses in Scripture for me because it says that our God can forget or chooses to forget, right? That the God who made the whole world, spoke things into being, chooses to forget my sin when I confess it to him. It blows my mind. I mean, I, I consider myself a good forgiver, but I struggle with that forgive and that forget. In fact, I don't know too many people that can forgive even when it's super painful when you've been hurt in really bad ways where you can both forgive and forget the sin that's done against you. We think it leaves us too open to it happening again. It's just hard, and yet Scripture says that when God forgives, he forgets too. If you come and say, Christ, please forgive me. I receive you as my Savior and my Lord. Then you can know if you die tonight and you went up to heaven, you'd be good, right? But some of us even then say, God, about that divorce. And he's going to say, what divorce? God, about that thing that I said, well, what are you talking about? God, about that dishonesty, well, what dishonesty? See, it's forgiven. And when God forgets, he tells us that we can forget too. See, Jesus didn't come to rub it in. He came to rub it out. And he's saying if there's any good news, it's that God says that he can forgive my past, that I can now, because of that forgiveness, let it go, and that I don't have to feel bad about it anymore. I need maybe correct parts of my life, but I don't need to rehearse it and beat myself up. God comes to us on this eve of Christmas in the form of a little baby to say that we matter to him, that he loves us, and that he hates seeing us go around in so much pain and agony. And so he says, I forgive you. But there's other things that can be true of us tonight too. And and that second thing is that our present, as crazy as it is, as chaotic as it sometimes can be, that our our present can be managed. I've met more stressed out people. I said this on Thanksgiving. I still think it's true in the last six to eight weeks. And I think I've I've met in my entire lifetime. And I don't know exactly what it is, but I think you'd all agree that life can sometimes just bring you down. There's enough bad things that happen in the course of our life that just, man, when they all come together, it just blows us away and it gets to us. And if you look around, people seem to be searching for something, for more energy, for more power. For a while there, all the books on the bestseller list were all about getting more power, how to dress for power, how to eat for power, how to shower for power. I don't know if that was really one, but the reality is, you know, it's all these kind of things. Even last week, somebody said, Pastor, I'm sick and tired of always being sick and tired. The good news of Christmas is that Christ who came on Christmas 2013 years ago can give you the power to manage your present circumstances right now as well. You know, Paul said this in Philippians 4.13. I just think it's interesting. He says, I have the strength to face all conditions by the power that Christ gives me. In other words, that God somehow assumes a responsibility to meet your needs. I think that's absolutely amazing. I mean, so much of my life I try to go through my own power. I try to figure out my own stuff. I have my own strategies for whatever. And, but then when it gets outside my control and there's nothing I can do, it scares me. It probably scares you a little bit in those moments as well. But it's there that God re-reminds us that even in our present, even in those situations that are beyond our control, that he's there. And his promise is that he can take those responsibilities in our life, that he assumes those responsibilities in our lives and he takes care of our needs. He says it this way, Scripture says it this way, God gave us his own son. Can we not trust such a God to give us everything else that we need? Again, it says he'll supply all our needs if we trust him. 
So this Christmas, that's my prayer, that we would trust him with that. That we would trust him for that strength that we need to face each and every day, no matter what comes our way. That because of Jesus, we'd have the strength to keep on keeping on. Because the thing that makes us a failure in life is not messing up, it's, it's giving up. And then lastly, he says that our future can be guaranteed. In Hebrews 2, Jesus, it says Jesus became like us to set free those who were slaves all their lives because of their fear of death. Probably you haven't had a lot of talks, deep talks about death with people. And most people don't like to talk about death at all. Most people actually tend to veer off that subject as much as possible because they don't like it, they don't care for it, they're afraid of it in different ways. But it's interesting that because it's just one of those things that all of us have to deal with at some point in life. And it really doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, if you're educated or uneducated, if you're white, black, brown, whatever. We're all going to have to face it at some point in life. In fact, I came across this recent study. It's indicating that in Maricopa County, at least, that the mortality rate is still hovering at 100%. Can't speak for the other counties, but in Maricopa County, that's still true. And yet, even in light of this, right, so many people go through their life completely unprepared for something they know is going to happen. Is it just that we get so consumed with life around us? Is it that we get so consumed with ourselves, our needs, our wants, our hurts, our pains, that we just forget? I don't know. But my question has always been why, and as I've been thinking about that, I think the answer is because most people are afraid of it. Like this verse tends to indicate that there's some innate uncertainty for so many people about what's going to happen when they meet God, and yet they have this innate certainty that they're going to come face to face with Him. And if they know Scripture, they know they have to give an account to Him. So the question is, how do you make certain what's going to happen on the other side? The Bible says it's appointed once and once only for man to die, and so we don't get these second and third chances usually in, in this dying thing. It's an appointment that most of us won't be late for. God has already chosen the time, and yet in the midst of all that, he says, I don't want you to fear death. And you say, how in the world does that happen? How does Jesus set us free from the fear of death? And it's again because of stuff that he promises. If you understand where you're going... Scripture talks about heaven as being a, a place where there's no more pain, no more sorrow, no more, no more difficulty, no more sin. It sounds like an amazing place. A place where we get to fulfill our purpose in life. A place that we get to hang out with people where we're not worried about stuff that's going to happen that's bad. And if we have a relationship with our Father, kind of like He calls us Abba Father, right? Calls us to call Him Abba Father, so like Daddy if you have a relationship with God like you did with your daddy, when you use that phrase, and not dad or pop, but daddy, if you look at him as a friend who cares for you, as a father that loves you, then you know that first part's all there because he loves you anyway. And then all of a sudden you're not so concerned about the future. See, the reality is for a Christian, death is just a homecoming, a transition on to better things. It's receiving our very great reward. It's receiving the gift that Jesus came to bring. In other words, when you receive the Jesus Christ, you receive the gift of Christmas, which is just all the three things that I was talking about. A forgiveness takes away your past, a strength for your present, and a future home in heaven for your future. And the amazing thing about all three of these things is this is exactly what we need the most. I heard a story of a father one time, and he was giving his daughter some, some plastic pearls, and she wore them like every day. She got them when she was little, wore them every day. They were the most prized possessions. She loved them. When she turned 13, her dad says, I need to get back those pearls from you. And she says, no, Dad, why? He said, I just need you to trust me on this. And as he took back the plastic pearls with one hand, he reached into his pocket and took out a string of real pearls with the other and gave them to her instead. 
In many ways, I think that's a, a great parallel for us tonight because I think God in a similar way is saying to us tonight, give me all of those plastic cheap thrills. Give me those things that you think satisfy but just haven't been. Those things that you're trying to find some purpose in life, find some healing in life that just don't seem to work and I'll give you something genuine instead. I'll give you something real. I'll give you something that lasts if you'll just trust me. But again, that word trust is such a, an interesting thing, isn't it? Many years ago on Christmas Day, the world-famous tightrope walker, George Blondin, decided he was going to walk across the Niagara Falls on a tightrope. So they stretched out this tightrope from the Canadian side, where all the Canadians were, and stretched it all the way across to the American side, and that's where the Americans were, and kind of set it up. He was a little bit of a ham that way, trying to create some kind of tension or whatever. But he didn't just walk across the tightrope, just kind of with a pole or whatever. He, He took a wheelbarrow filled with dirt from one side to the other. So he started going across, and he made it to the other side, and he was saved. The crowd went nuts. They couldn't believe it. Who was this guy? Why was he doing this? It was cold. It was icy. He was walking across with a wheelbarrow. Went to the other side and went back to the American side, and he got there safely, and the crowd exploded with praise again. He did it again and again. He did it about 20, 21 times that day, back and forth. On the last trip, he set the wheelbarrow right in front of a tourist who says, you're incredible. I believe you could do that a hundred times. I believe in you. Lonnie took the wheelbarrow, dumped out all the dirt and said, okay, get in the wheelbarrow. (laughs) Now, people came here tonight for different reasons. You came here tonight for different reasons. Some of you came out of habit, some of you came because it was the thing to do, some of you came out of tradition, some of you came because you were invited by a friend, some of you came to hear the music. But regardless of why you think you came here tonight, God brought you here to share a very special Christmas gift with you, and it's this. He wants to share with you tonight that you matter to him. You can't look at the birth of the Christ without at least understanding that. He saw that we were messed up in our sin. He saw that there was no hope. He saw that we needed a Savior. And so he sent himself so that we would know that there was nothing he wouldn't do for us. So that we knew that he cared. So then he could show us how and he could show us what and he could answer questions so that he could die on a cross so that we could be forgiven. You know, maybe you've felt close to God in the past, but you've just drifted away. Or maybe you've moved to the area and you just haven't found a, a church home to get plugged into yet. And if that's true, any one of those two things, I invite you to be part of our church family tonight because there is a place for you. But more than that, that God has a gift for you right now that he wants you to receive. So I challenge you tonight to trust in him. I challenge you tonight to get in the wheelbarrow an experience that all God has for you this Christmas. Because it's more than the presence at home. And it's more than the loving family that's around you. It is the very strength and forgiveness and hope we need to make it through life. And that in the end is the real reason, the real gift for Christmas. And all God's people said, Amen.